Welcome. Thank you for joining us in this wonderful opportunity to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. A wonderful Easter service uh, that's before us this morning, and I appreciate each one of you that is tuned in. This is a day, a special day, that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Friday, I hope that you joined me in contemplating the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his burial. As we thought through, and as I do every year, I always think of the different times of the day, even in the middle of the night when I woke up, uh, that he would be in the Garden of Gethsemane and prayer and the arrest and, and then uh, being um, interrogated early in the morning right on through to the crucifixion and the hours of darkness on the cross. All of those things that came to my mind uh, throughout the day. I hope you contemplated those things as well and what is it meant to us um, uh, during that time and, and from hereafter what it has meant to us as he has provided for us eternal life. Uh, he is alive forevermore. We praise the Lord for that. And he has eternal life and because he does, he can offer that eternal life to each one of us. And I hope that you'll understand and appreciate that significance and even hear more about it this morning. This is the day, a special day to celebrate. But this is also the day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Even if it's not what we had hoped for in a celebration for Easter. It uh, is certainly different this year. As I mentioned uh, in the message Wednesday night, uh, entitled there, This Year's Easter Difference. We uh, saw how different uh, it would be and is <clears throat> for many reasons, especially the COVID-19 virus. I'm sorry that we were not able to have the parking lot service today. Uh, as we looked into that more and more and as I began to investigate through people, uh, there were some people that view our videos in the service that would not be able to come or could not come uh, to be here for parking lot service. And as uh, we checked in more and more with the logistics of making all of that service happen, uh, we were generating more and more concerns about things that could go wrong and could interrupt and and uh, take away from the service of worship before the Lord. So with some counsel that I received, I decided to stay with a pre-recorded uh, service and video service that we will enjoy today, and I hope that you'll participate with us. Uh, but this still is the day which the Lord hath made. So let us rejoice. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here to worship together in person in our viewing. And Lord, I pray that we would participate in song, that we would listen carefully and respond to your word. And that, Father, through all of this, you would be glorified. Thank you for a wonderful day of celebration as we celebrate and remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to sing a little bit uh, this morning. Uh, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. We're going to sing that uh, hymn. We actually have two hymns that we'll sing but this will be the order of it and how it's going to work. Uh, Laura Holland and Leah have recorded the songs for us that you'll be able to hear them playing and singing and you'll see the words on the screen to be able to follow and sing with us. We're going to sing uh, 
he lives first. And then there's going to be a special by Amber and Leah entitled, It's About the Cross. And then we'll sing the hymn, Lo in the Grave He Lay. And then there'll be another special by Laura and Leah entitled, Living Hope. And all of that will take place just before the preaching message this morning. So join us now as we sing together and celebrate. Time. 
Thank you for singing with us and thank you for the special music that we just enjoyed. Now, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 11. This past week has been considered the passion of Christ and it led to the most important events in Christ's life there, led to the most important events of this world ever, past, present, or future. 
even surpasses the COVID-19 pandemic. Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and Jesus and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We praise the Lord for that. All of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they climax their information with giving the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, it records for us the beginning of the church and how that the church is what celebrates the resurrection of Christ and proclaims these events of the death, burial, and resurrection, what's called the gospel. It's been said that it's fitting that a supernatural person should enter and leave the earth in a supernatural way. Uh, this is the fact, what the New Testament teaches and the church believes about the Lord Jesus Christ. His birth was natural, but his conception was supernatural. His death was natural, but his resurrection was supernatural. His leaving his followers was natural, but his ascension into heaven was supernatural. And because of Good Friday, we know that our sins are forgiven, they are removed. Because of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that is true. And because of Easter and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know God's promise of eternal life is sure. And because of the Ascension Day, we know God's promise uh, of Christ coming back to this earth is true. We can expect Him. This same Jesus that you saw ascend up into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go. Praise the Lord, He is coming back. So the Gospels give us the climax of the death, burial, and resurrection as the end of their story. And the Acts gives us the church that celebrates and that proclaims those events. And it's the Old Testament that goes beyond and prophesies and exemplifies Christ's death to us. And it's one of these Old Testament examples that I want us to evaluate and, and understand this morning to consider what it has to say and what it means to us about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the observance of what is called Passover. Uh, the majority of Christ's life, the works in which he did that are recorded in the Gospels, are recorded around the Passover dates. Uh, that is because it was so significant to the Jews and to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Last Supper that Jesus had with the disciples was a Passover meal. And at the Passover meal, uh, Jesus then afterwards went out into the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples to pray. It was there that he was betrayed and arrested and, and then brought uh, to be inter interrogated and scourged and then crucified. Thereby, he became our Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is specifically tied to the exodus of Israel out of Egypt that God brought uh, because of their uh, confinement there and being uh, made to be slaves to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. So I want us to look, and I've entitled the message this morning, Christ Our Passover. I want us to see some of the applications of this particular event and what it means to us about resurrection today and Christ's death. 
Uh, the title is taken directly from 1 Corinthians 5, 7, where it says, For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Father, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you would give me a direction and guidance in sharing the truth that you've laid upon my heart. I pray that it would be understood by each one of our folks and that we would would especially understand the significance of applying your blood to our lives account. Thank you, Father, for what you will give to us today. I thank you for everyone that has joined in to listen. And I pray that you give them a clarity of thought as they concentrate upon your word that is shared this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I want us to first see the background of the Passover to understand its significance and the setup of what's going on. God moved Joseph. Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob uh, that became the different tribes of Israel. Uh, All of the people of Israel sprung out of them. Joseph was one of the brothers that uh, the other brothers uh, took and, and sold into captivity thinking probably he would end up as a slave and probably die. Uh, They didn't like him very well, but God had a plan, and he worked in all of it, and he caused Joseph to be uh, elevated and promoted to the second in command under Pharaoh himself. God uh, revealed to Joseph that there would be a famine in the land, and so Joseph instructed Pharaoh and guided uh, Egypt and gathering and stockpiling all of the food that was necessary and supplies, including all the toilet paper off the shelves. Just seeing if you're listening. And uh, when the famine hit, his brethren came down to Egypt, hoping to find food and be helped with getting food. And uh, they didn't know what God had done in elevating their brother to the position that he was in. But they came and God used him, uh, Joseph, to provide for the uh, children of Israel for many years until Joseph died and another Pharaoh rose up that did not know Joseph and he began to enslave the Israelites that were in Egypt and did so for several hundred years. Uh, Then God raised Moses to deliver the Israelites from the bondage in Egypt. And he did so through ten plagues that God gave uh, across the land of Egypt. And it was the tenth plague that got Pharaoh's attention finally and caused him to let the people of Israel go from bondage in Egypt. That tenth plague, if you remember, was the plague of the death of the firstborn. So I want us to look now at the origin of the Passover with that background in mind in connection with this 10th plague that God sent. We'll read here first in Exodus chapter 11, beginning in verse 4. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the meal, and all the firstborn of beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. God had given here the context of what was going to happen 
And he told them what he was going to do in bringing this plague upon the uh, death upon the firstborn of all of Egypt and the firstborn of all of the, the cattle, all of the beasts that were in the land. Now the death, the plague, would also affect everyone in the land, including the Israelites. So God had a command that he gave unto the Israelites. We read about it in chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That means uh, without any defects. And it's important because it represents the Lord Jesus Christ who would be the lamb that would have no sin whatsoever in his life. It would be a lamb without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it uh, up until the 14th day of the same month. For four days they would watch the lamb, make sure that there was no visible uh, signs of defects. And the whole um, assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side post and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it. Uh, let's pick up there in verse 12. And I will pass through the land, God says, I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Then verse 23. By the way, that's where we get the, the name Passover meal. Well, God would pass over them in judgment if they applied the blood to the doorpost. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, that's the top of the door, and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer or permit the destroyer to come into the house uh, to smite you. The angel of the destroyer to come and smite the firstborn. So the command was given there. They were to choose a lamb. They were to inspect the lamb to make sure it had no uh, defects. They were to kill the lamb by the shedding of its blood. And then its blood was to be applied to the doorpost, and they would experience God's deliverance from this particular plague of judgment. Now, the consequences we see, what were the consequences of the Passover judgment of death to the Egyptians and to the Israelites? Well, first of all, to the Egyptians, that is, all who did not apply the blood there was the death of the firstborn son and the firstborn of the cattle or beast. Remember what Romans 6.23 says, 
that the wages of sin is death. And so this death angel would come passing by each household, and if there was no blood applied, there would be the death of the firstborn of man and a beast. To the Israelites, that is to all who did apply the blood to the doorpost, when the death angel came by, when God saw the blood, he would pass over them. There would be a deliverance from the death in that family. Ultimately, there would be the deliverance from the bondage of Egypt, their slavery, representing the bondage of sin that we were in as lost people today. Note chapter 12 and verse 14. It says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever, an ordinance, something ordered by God forever to the children of Israel. They were to observe, observe the feast of the Passover as remembrance for what God had done in delivering them out of Egypt in the bondage that they were in in Egypt. Verse 24 says, And ye shall observe this thing, this Passover meal, for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it goes on to say down through verse 27, that if their children ask, why are we doing this? Why are we having this meal this way? They were to be ready to explain unto them why they were partaking the Passover meal because it represented what God had done through uh, uh, the deliverance uh, in a great way out of the bondage of Egypt. Now, keep that in mind and think about what the Lord did for us at the last supper, the last Passover meal he had with his disciples before he was crucified. It says at the last supper that he instigated or instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. He gave them instructions for that and observed it for the first time with them. Just like the Passover feast, the meal there represents the the reminder to look back into what God did in delivering them out of Egypt, which represents delivering us out of sin. Jesus, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, said that it was to look back to what he would do on Calvary, that we would celebrate each time that we observe the Lord's Supper and remembrance of what he accomplished when he died there on Calvary and was raised the third day. We praise the Lord for that. And just like the Israelites were to be ready to explain to their children and grandchildren what that meant, we as parents have that responsibility that when we observe the Lord's Supper, that make sure that our children understand why we do this and what it represents that we are remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. Praise the Lord for that connection. That's the origin of Passover. God passed over judgment of death for those that that had killed the lamb by shedding of its blood and applied the blood to the doorpost by faith. God passed over them. Now, look at the symbolism of the Passover. First, there are some general types that I've alluded to. Egypt represents to us the world. Uh, Israelites would represent Christians to us today. 
The tenth plague was God's sin judgment of death. The wages of sin is death. And the applied blood to the doorposts would represent receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, making that choice to apply His blood to our sin debt. Now, specific types can be seen as we look at Passover in Exodus chapter 12 compared to Christ, our Passover, here in the New Testament. Exodus 12 Passover, the feast, marked a new year, a new beginning. In chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says there, This month shall be a new beginning for you, a new a beginning of the year to you. <clears throat> it would be a new beginning. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Everyone that is in Christ is a new creature, a new creation. It is a start over, if you will. And that's what Passover was in Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, also Passover, the lamb was to be a male. It was to be brought into the house and inspected for four days uh, to make sure that there were no flaws, no defects in the lamb. Christ was inspected by Caiaphas and Annas and, and by Herod and by Pilate. And what was it said of him? I find no fault in this man. It was no way to find fault because he was sinless. The only thing that they could do was make up lies about him or complain that he <coughs> excuse me that he did not follow their traditions that the Pharisees uh, had written and that was not anything that would be considered sin. We're told over in in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 <coughs> excuse me it's speaking about that which redeems us. It says, We're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He is the one without sin. We praise the Lord that he died in our place. The Exodus 12 Passover, it is not the living lamb that satisfied the judgment of God, but it was the lamb that had died by the shedding of its blood. In Hebrews 9.22, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sin, it says. And so there must be a shedding of blood. And Jesus Christ had to die by the shedding of his blood for it to be a sacrifice that God would accept uh, in our place. And that's exactly what he did. That's why... He was crucified. That's why he died the death that he did. Praise the Lord for it. God was in control. In Exodus 12, Passover, the blood had to be applied to be free from God's judgment at each house. And the same is true with Christ's sacrifice today. We must personally make the choice to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our particular sin debt. We'll see more of that in just a moment. Christ was and is our Passover lamb. And that's what John the Baptist was saying when he pointed to Jesus Christ and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Praise the Lord for the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the application of the Passover. Passover. 
What did that mean unto them then? The Passover then. Let me ask you a question first. Were there any good Egyptians? And I say good in uh, quotations there, for the Bible says there is none good, no, not one. But relatively speaking in comparison, some might say, yes, there were some good Egyptian people. The next question, were there any bad Jewish people, Israelite people? Yes, I'm sure that there were, just like there are today in our society. Jews and Gentiles alike. But we have here a difference, something that made a difference there. And it wasn't about who was good and who was bad. For instance, as we look at the difference that made who died and who lived, it wasn't because they were a part of Abraham's seed that God passed over them, but it was because God saw the blood applied. It wasn't because they had been circumcised, but it was because God saw the blood applied. It wasn't because they were good moral people, but it was because God saw the blood applied. It wasn't because their good works outweighed their bad works. You got it. It was because God saw the blood applied. The application to them in that day was that they were to believe God that judgment was coming. They were to believe God that they should take a lamb and inspect it to make sure there was no faults and then to slay the lamb by the shedding of its blood. And they were to believe God by applying that blood to their doorpost. That is the only way that they survived death judgment for their household was by applying the blood. And when God saw the blood applied, he passed over that household in judgment of death. Praise the Lord. Now, for us, what is the application of Passover for us today? What can wash away my sin, the song asks, and then replies, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The same answer, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How how can I or you experience full forgiveness of our sins? How can we have eternal life given unto us? How can I be sure one day I'll have a home in heaven with God? The answer is because I have applied the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to my life. Let me explain what I mean by that. Believing and applying. Jesus said in John 5:24, He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, unto judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus said there is a believing part. So what are we to believe? Just like with them, we're to believe what God says about us, our condition. We're to believe that we are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're to believe in the wages of sin being death that God has told us about in Romans 6.23. That sin penalty that is upon us 
that judgment of God that is coming our way. And we're to believe, though, the Savior's provision in that he died there on Calvary as God's sinless lamb, and he died there as a substitute in our place, so that when he died and was buried and rose again the third day, that his bloody death paid the sin penalty for my sin and for yours. That's what we are to believe. But just like with the Israelites in their day, they could have believed that God was going to come and kill the firstborn of man and a beast. They could have believed that they should take a lamb and inspect it to be spotless and and without blemish. They could believe that they were to kill that lamb by the shedding of its blood. And they could believe what God said about applying the blood even. But if they stopped short of applying the blood... All of which they believed would do no good. God would not pass over and say, Well, you didn't apply the blood, but at least you killed the lamb. No. Israel and the Roman soldiers crucified Jesus Christ. But the crucifying of Jesus Christ, even though it was God's plan, was not the answer, the remedy for sin. It was the applying of the blood of Jesus Christ to the lives is what the remedy is. So we're to believe that we need it. We're to believe that God has offered it freely to us. We're to believe he has provided for us completely. But we must then make a choice to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our own sin debt life. And that is what salvation is. Uh, just believing is not enough. It is the applying of the blood to choose to receive God's gift of salvation. And that's what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord for God's gift of eternal life. And like with any gift, you must make a choice to receive it. I fear that some that may be listening to my voice right now that watch this videos in this service uh, may stand before God one day with their hands full of things such as good things, good works, good deeds, their hands full of morality and integrity and church attendance and baptism and the alike. But... Deliverance from the wages of sin doesn't come by those things. It comes only by applying the blood of Jesus Christ to your soul. That choice must take place. And if you only hear about it and believe it without making the choice to apply it, you have fallen short of God's remedy and you're still under the judgment of death and hell. My friend, it's important for you to make that choice right now. There's a story I came across of John Wilkes Booth. You know that he assassinated Abraham Lincoln. A uh, few people may not know what happened after the assassination. I'm told, as I read, that 25 soldiers with two detectives tracked him to a tobacco barn where there were leaves of tobacco that was dried up and hay that was stored in the barn 
where he was, and orders were given to capture him alive. The idea was um, thought of that they would try to smoke him out. But as Booth leaned toward the slats in a door to avoid the fire, a young soldier saw him raise a gun, and the soldier impulsively fired, striking uh, Booth in the back of his head. The story tells that the soldiers dragged Booth into the porch of the house that was next to the barn. It seemed that uh, he was dead, but as they dashed water into his face, uh, his lips began to move. The soldiers then leaned toward to hear what this dying man would say. And he said, I understand, he says, Tell my mother I thought I was doing the best that I could do. You know, I've met many people that I've come across that they thought that they were trying to do the best they could, trying to live the best they could, and they thought that would be good enough to get them to heaven. But that's not what God's Word says. That's not what God's picture through the Passover indicates. The story goes on to say that Booth asked the soldiers to raise his paralyzed arms so he could view his hands. And history records that his last words, as he looked there at his hands, were useless. Useless. My friends, for your salvation, you will come up with empty, vain, useless things if you're depending on the things that your hands can do for salvation. Our hands cannot do anything. Jesus Christ has already done everything that was necessary. He was the blood sacrifice. He's the one that gave his life to be your substitute and mine. And because it was acceptable to God, God raised him uh, from the dead victoriously. And he has eternal life today. And he is the one that can promise eternal life to us with God in heaven. Praise the Lord for what Jesus did and what he has freely offered to us. But we must look at ourselves and our hands as being useless. We must then surrender ourselves to what Jesus Christ did and say, Lord, I want what Jesus did on Calvary to be my payment of sin. When we make that choice, salvation takes place in our life. We're given eternal life with God in heaven. We praise the Lord and he begins a journey in our life of changing us to be more like the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you have already chosen to receive Jesus Christ. And I know many of you that are listening right now have. But please pray for those that are unsure. Please pray for some that know they have not made that choice. And if you're here today and you've never made that choice, I invite you to make it right now. Just admit to God that you're a sinner. Thank Him that Jesus Christ died for you. And right now make the choice to receive Jesus Christ as your payment of sin. Will you do that? Father, I pray that as we close this service, that you would allow our hearts to rejoice in what you have accomplished. And Lord, I pray for any that may be unsure that they have made that choice, that you would help them make that choice 
and make sure of it before they leave this service right now in listening. Thank you for what you will accomplish. Thank you for the death, burial, and the resurrection of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, from the dead. Thank you for what it means. And thank you for the blessings of being able to celebrate it today together. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is alive. He is risen indeed. We praise the Lord for that. He's given us victory over sin. He has given us eternal life. And uh, we can rejoice in the Lord for it. Uh, If you are unsure about having made that choice, I'll be glad to speak to you or give you more information about making that choice. If you'll contact me, you can do it in one of two ways. You can call me here at the church at 804-379-8930 and uh, speak to me or leave a message if I'm not here and I'll get back with you. Tell me how I can get back that information to you. Or you can email me at the church at pastor at hollyhillsbaptist.org.org. So that's 804-379-8930 or pastor at hollyhillsbaptist.org. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for celebrating the resurrection of Christ with us this morning. And may God bless you as you continue through this week. We ask it all before our loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.